Good morning, Freedom Church. Good to see you all. Good to be back without a guitar. One less thing to think about. <laughs> um, like they've said, my name's Luke and I'm a member of Jubilee Church. Um, it's a privilege to be here today with you guys um, as we start a new series and it's based in the book of Philemon. I'm looking at Dan. Was that right? Because this week I found out that it wasn't Philemon. Yeah, and, and my wife also found out that it wasn't Philemon and was Philemon. Right. Um, <laughs> my entire Christian life, and I've been calling him by the wrong name. And if Dan hadn't informed me of that today, I would have passed that blessing on to you guys. <laughs> anyway, Philemon. Um, I'm just going to ask Dan, can you come and read for me? put me on the spot there because now this has got loads of names to pronounce so it's also unfortunate because now we've got a we've got a friend who he's now calling Philip instead of Philip just uh, so he's um it's a revelation this is so this is uh, this is the letter of Philemon Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother to Philemon our dear friend and fellow worker also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brothers, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is, my, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do would not be seen forced, but will be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that he might, might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that you may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends his greeting. And so do Mark. Aristarchus, Demas and Mark, my fellow workers, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Christ be with you, with your spirit. Thanks, Dan. 
You'll need that. <laughs> uh, Brill, shall we pray? Father God, we, we just thank you that you are God and we're not. And God, we just praise you today uh, that you would have your way in us, but that we would not leave this place the same way that we came in, but that you would change our thinking and our heart's desires. In Jesus' name, amen. Brilliant. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is Loving Through Offense. Not a fence, because I'm southern, it sounds a bit like that. Uh, but loving through offence. And the scripture we've just heard is a letter that was written by Paul while he was in prison um, to Philemon concerning a guy called Onesimus. But to understand the book, I just wanted to explain to you what was going on. Um, you see, Philemon and Onesimus all lived under a Roman rule. Philemon was likely a wealthy man with good status. Um, he likely became a Christian through Paul's evangelistic mission. And um, as we saw in verse 2, he'd been raised up by God to be a leader in the local church. And Philemon also owned servants because that was customary in their culture at that time. And Onesimus was one of the servants in Philemon's household. Verse 18 suggests that at some time, Onesimus and Philemon had a dispute. We're not told in, in, the, in the letter what that dispute was, um, but it meant that Onesimus had run away and, and it, it hurt uh, Philemon. So verse 18, it says, uh, Paul, Paul writes, If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I don't know what he did, he might have stolen from him, who knows, um, but Paul's kind of saying, look, you've got to get past this. Paul was actually pleading with Philemon for the forgiveness of Onesimus in order to bring a unity in the advancement of the gospel in Colossae. Yeah. He ple- was pleading with his friend to forgive someone else so that the gospel could be advanced in that area. And as I was preparing for today, I found myself asking a question. Do I really love those who have wronged me? And so I want to ask you to just think about that question. Do you love those who have wronged you? In my life, I've experienced harms and hurts. And for those of you who don't know me, um, just really quickly, I was addicted to crack cocaine for many years um, and it almost took my life. All those years I attempted to justify that use with a backlog of childhood traumas, harms and hurts. I was led through a 12 step programme when I became a, a Christian at age 17 by, um, by a Christian man and I was forced to look deep into my character defects. And from this, to turn my focus to those I'd harmed because of those defects and having highlighted them, to go and make an amends. This went deep quick, didn't it? I'm good at that, aren't I, Dan? So you might think, Luke, where are you going with this? 
but just bear with me a little while longer. You see, I realised that for every resentment I held, for every anger, for every frustration, there was an offence that had been done against me. For every resentment I held, there had been an offence that had been done against me. But as I explored it, I found that the majority of the anger I carried was either my fault or I had deliberately held myself in it for longer than I needed to. And one of the biggest triggers for me to hurt someone or punish them was the inability to forgive those who'd wronged me. Those hurts gave my life a lens. A lens that was obscured and warped. A lens that led me into strife, aggression and manipulation. A lens that caused a complete disconnect between me and the rest of society. And in that state, a person will likely feel isolated, an outsider and at best misunderstood. Are there any areas in your heart today where you feel that way? It's deep in it and it's hard to look at honestly. Sometimes the Bible does that and we avoid, we avoid talking about it. We avoid going there because um, the Bible, when you read it in its entirety, can really hurt because it causes you to have to change. Yeah? So it's hard to look at it honestly. Many people will avoid it. But I want to encourage you today to open your heart to God in this with me. I never ever want to be a person who comes and talks to a church um, as if I've made it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm on this journey too. So as much as this is for you, it's for me too. Just want you to still your heart for a second. Why don't you do something for me? Just trust me. Um, just bow your head, close your eyes so no one's looking around the, the room. I'm going to ask you a question. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Just while your eyes remain closed, I'm not asking you to think about how they've wronged you or the consequences you've experienced because of that hurt. Just keep to the question, is there someone I need to forgive? If you're like me, you might get that name and then say, but, or start to justify your unforgiveness. Don't do that. Just get the name of that one person. And once you've got it, just while everyone's eyes are still closed, why don't you just quickly pop your hand up so I can see if you've got a name. Yeah. Brilliant, thank you. You can open your eyes now. There's many people here today that have just acknowledged that we, like Philemon, have someone who's hurt us.
and no one would ever get through adolescence without being harmed by someone else. That's life, it happens. Just keep that name in your heart as we continue to look through Paul's letter this morning. See, I think that Philemon shows something of God's heart. So this letter, it shows us something of God's heart. And I believe that when God's word is discussed, it brings change to those who are willing to listen and obey. Micah 7, 18 to 19 says this. Um, some, I've got loads of scriptures today, so um, go easy on Clive. They might not all be on the screen yet. Um, but who is like you? who forgives wickedness and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy and loving kindness. He shall again have compassion on us. He will subdue and tread underfoot our wickedness. Yes, he will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. God is a God who forgives who delights in mercy. I love a definition. Who loves a definition? Brilliant. I knew you'd put your hand on, Mike. I just knew it. You'd not leave me on my own. <laughs> yeah? Mercy can be defined in the dictionary as this. It says, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. I'll read that again. Com- um, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. And mercy was not on the agenda for my life pre-salvation. In fact, I often had the power and the malice to punish and harm those who'd wronged me. And if I'm honest... I still struggle with it to varying degrees today. Often when I feel wronged, and as much as I'd love to tell you uh, that I'm the perfect reflection of grace and the likeness of Christ, I'm not. My initial reaction is often to retaliate or or at least just hold on to it for a little bit longer. Sometimes that bit of anger feels nice, doesn't it? Sometimes I like to sit in my pity party, wondering why no one will join me. Is that you? Have you been holding on to unforgiveness? Trying to rally people to your cause, to agree, affirm or validate your pain? What does the Bible show us though? This is all my scriptures here. Luke 17, 3, 4 says, So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Matthew 18, 21 to 22 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Luke 6, 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Colossians 3.13 Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4.2 Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Matthew 6, 9-13 This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Finally, Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their, uh, their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, when I choose forgiveness, it's like setting a prisoner free. And having done it, realising that the prisoner was me. In Philemon, uh, Philemon, sorry, 1, 8 to 11, Paul writes, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to, ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. You see, Onesimus had come to know Jesus with Paul in prison. He'd become a Christian. And he'd entered ministry with Paul. And Philemon's unforgiveness left unchallenged would likely have caused division, separation and hurt to the advancement of the gospel. We all need forgiveness. You see, God laid out a holy standard. A standard that none of us can keep. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all fall short of his holy standard. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. It's why the gospel, the good news, is so important to us and to those we're sent to tell. It's why, um, it's why Paul was appealing so desperately to his friend to forgive so that that advancement of that good news could be made known to those that needed to hear it. Let me remind you of that good news. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says the wages of that sin is death. 
but that the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, His desire is that none would perish, but that all would have that um, eternal life. So you see, God has a problem. He's a holy judge with a holy law that we've all broken. And if he stands as a good judge, he has to judge us all guilty of that sin. But it's his desire that none would perish, but all would have everlasting life. And that's why he sent Jesus. The solution is Jesus. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You are a whosoever. We receive Jesus through faith. That faith can't just be head knowledge. Knowledge, um, the world will tell you knowledge is power, but that's a lie. I could know everything there was to know about a seatbelt. How to put it on, what material it's made from, where it mounts on the car, how it goes around me. And if I get in a car and don't put that seatbelt on, and the car crashes into a wall, I'll go flying out the window to my death, knowing everything there was to know about the thing that could have saved my life. It can't be head knowledge. We receive the gift of Jesus through faith. If you're here today and you're hearing that for the first time, or you've heard it before but you've not acted upon it, you have a decision to make. Will you accept God's gift or won't you? If you will, make sure you speak to one of us after service today. Don't leave here without doing that. If you've accepted the gift already, you're in here and you identify as a Christian, you're walking with God, and you know him, if that's you, but you had a name of someone you need to forgive, I appeal to you. Like Paul to Philemon, do what's right and forgive them. Paul appeals to Philemon not to forgive as a servant, as a quick fix. We often do that, don't we? Oh yeah, I'll forgive. But that person will never have any sort of status in my life again. I tried that, it didn't work. Just to share from my testimony, I came from quite a broken home. One of the people that probably hurt me the most was my father. And, and when it came to forgiving him, I, was, I would say to, to the people around me in my church, yeah, I've forgiven my dad. I've forgiven all the stuff he's done. Yeah, um, my, my dad was a violent man, a drinker. Um, we saw some stuff. But I, I'd, in my next breath, I'd say, but I'll never let him back in my life. I'll, ne- I'll, ne- I'll never go and be, we won't have a father-son relationship. We, we won't ever have any of that. But I forgive him. Rubbish. It was rubbish. I was kidding myself. When you read God's word 
and you see what Paul's saying to Philemon here, that doesn't cut the mustard. You see, Onesimus left him a slave who'd wronged him, but Paul asked, asked him to allow him to return not as a slave, but as a brother, as family, in the same way that he would have received Paul, who Philemon would have acknowledged as an apostle. Our level of forgiveness is so shallow. God's calling us to more. He's calling you to more. It says, sorry, just lost my place. Yeah. Paul appeals to Philemon not to forgive as a servant. As a quick, you're forgiven, but give me room. No. He says in Philemon 1, 15-17, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave. As a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. That's the standard. That's the standard that God forgives me. Doesn't forgive me a little bit and say, but you can't come into my house. Welcomes me into the fullness of his kingdom and the fullness of the inheritance and the fullness of his love that's unconditional, unwavering, um, and seeks us out. And that's how we're meant to forget. I don't know, Mike, if you want to come and grab your guitar, Mike. Yeah? I just want to offer an opportunity. If, if that was you, who's got a name, and you're struggling with that, because it's not easy, is it? And guess what? I've had to forgive my dad over and over and over again. And every time, it's like God takes this layer of that hurt away and it's not a one-time thing it's a thing we have to choose to do just like God chooses us every minute of every day so if you if you'd like some prayer today I just want to invite you to come forward as Mike uh, just starts to lead us in a song